I wonder how many of you remember the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. A couple of years. I would think so, yeah. It was a, it's a great film. It's kind of an iconic film of the 1980s. Uh, I was... Uh, I think I was in junior high school when it came out. I, I actually remember seeing the film at a theater when it opened. I went out with some friends and saw it. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie takes place in North Africa. And maybe you remember this. The, the, the hero in the film, Indiana Jones, played by Harrison Ford, he's accosted by this sword-wielding bad guy in a marketplace. You remember the scene? Sure. Maybe you remember this. The swordsman makes this big display of masterfully and really ominously swinging around this big sword that he's got. Remember that? He's swinging around, obviously to show how skilled he is with this sword and what a, you know, what a dangerous opponent this guy is going to be. And he's swinging it all over the place. Uh, and you know, he's showing that he's going to be very difficult to face in combat, especially to the apparently unarmed uh, Harrison Ford. Well, after the swordsman swings it around for a while, uh, he stops and he faces Ford, apparently ready to fight. And it's kind of anticlimactic if you know the scene. Harrison Ford simply exhales, draws a revolver, and shoots the guy dead. Uh, it's a beautiful scene. I mean, the, the, I think the whole the whole theater erupted in applause when I, when I first saw this. And it confirms the old adage, you know, never bring never bring a sword to a gunfight. So, anyhow, well, I I don't I don't bring a a, a cinematic shooting into a homily very lightly. <laughs> uh, I don't just tell you that for the sake of it, but rather maybe to perhaps demonstrate uh, something we've heard about today, believe it or not. We've arrived at the, the third Sunday in Lent, the, the third Sunday, uh, the third of these Sundays, wherein we hear about the struggles with uh, demonic forces and struggles with the devil. Now, as I told you, in the past two weeks, uh, this series of readings was originally intended to be instructional for for catechumens, for those who were preparing for baptism. This is about a 1,500-year-old section of our our lectionary. But these, these readings also come to us with every bit of weight and every bit of importance as they did to new Christians who were being prepared for baptism back in the 5th century. Okay? The Gospel reading... The Gospel reading today from St. Luke's 11th chapter, it gives us our final encounter of these three weeks, the final encounter between Jesus and demons in these Sundays in Lent, or his relationship between them. And it lays out, as I said, the relationship between Jesus and these demonic forces. And it should also draw for us a picture, perhaps, of the relationship between us and the dark forces that assail us. But you see, the Christian, the Christian has always been, in a sense, under attack. Christians have always been under attack. Indeed, the whole of the Christian church has always been under attack. All faithful Christians have always, in some sense or another, been persecuted. From the age of the, I mean, the really nasty you know, physical persecutions forward, there have always been those who want to undermine the faith. It's always been the case. It's never really been any different. Perhaps in some ways, in some ways perhaps it's more dangerous now. I mean, for two millennia ago, or almost two millennia ago, uh, they came after us, they came after Christians with torches and swords, which in some regions of the world they're still doing, if you, if you read the news. Uh, but today, in the West, the forces of darkness assault us sometimes rather gently and rather subtly, don't they? They don't make much of a big to-do of you know, hey, here comes the persecution. 
They come rather subtly. The world, the secular culture, it tells you, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Believe whatever you want. It tells you, just be a good person. You know, just be a good person. And in doing so, in doing so, it doesn't make an obvious attack on Christianity, does it? It's not very obvious. It doesn't come right out and tell us to abandon our faith. But if we listen long enough and we start believing that, it makes it seem okay to suddenly push our faith off into the corner. And the Lion of Judah, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, as C.S. Lewis says, uh, has had his fangs taken from him. In this sense, they've been taken from him by people who don't actually want to be seen as taking the fangs from the Lion of Judah. They, don't want, to, they want, don't, want, don't want anyone to know that they're doing that. But by teaching kind of a squishy, non-challenging set of beliefs, that's exactly what the secular world does. I mean, just look at the, the, the filthy, all the filthy demons that rise up when the Lion of Judah is not relied upon as a guard and as a defender. Look at the filthy stuff that rises up. Filthy, disgusting, dirty, demonic forces still crop up whenever we don't rely on Christ. These small, subtle demons that left unchecked can grow into things that are just hideous, monstrous, and huge. Small things develop into huge things. Small demonic forces that assault us develop into huge problems in our lives. Sloth. Sloth, particularly sloth when it comes to prayer, when it comes to matters of spiritual health. If you get a little bit of rot inside you there, a little bit quickly grows into a big cancerous agent. Gossip. Gossip, probably the, the number one participant sport in America today. I mean, just look at, look at the interest that people have in the personal lives of others personal lives of celebrities. If people were as interested in the lives of Jesus, in the lives of the apostles, and in the lives of the church fathers, as much as they are in the lives of Charlie Sheen and the rest of Hollywood, I wonder if anybody might learn anything. You know, do you think it might be time better spent you know, with curiosity and desire for knowledge, going after Jesus and going after the apostles and the church fathers and trying to dig into their lives and see what we can learn? Do you think that might actually do something for culture? I have a funny feeling it might. might actually be a positive undertaking. Just a thought. Idolatry. Idolatry. Another small demon that grows so very quickly. We're told by culture about so many things in our world that are so important, aren't they? So many essentially worthless material objects and pursuits. But we're encouraged to spend our time dealing with it like crazy. Things that can sometimes be even healthy and enjoyable when taken in moderation, they so easily become idols, don't they? I mean, work, sports, politics, anything that displaces God from the center of our life. I mean, do you think church itself, the actual function of church, could become an idol? You better believe it. We get so wrapped up in trying to just keep a set of laws that we forget about the focus of our faith, Jesus Christ. 
Anything that displaces God from the center, that's an idol. And worshipping idols is deadly. It's deadly, deadly, deadly. Finally, there's the matter of pride, which I probably don't even need to go into again. We've been talking about it, or I've been talking at you, I suppose, about it for several weeks now, haven't I? But without a doubt, it's that tendency that we have to put ourselves in first place uh, over everybody else, over even, even over God. That tendency to make ourselves the God of our own little universe. You know, our whole life just kind of revolves around our particular point of view. That's the chief sin that is the source of all the others. The one that puffs us up so much that we start to give ourselves into all the other sins, all the other deadly sins. Well, if it's the case that we still deal with a whole host of demons that, that assail us in this way, and I believe it really is, the church teaches that it really is, then what are we to make of this week's gospel? Well, I'd suggest, and the, and the church was taught for about 2,000 years, that all of those demons that assault us, well, they're no match for the Lord of heaven and earth. That there's one name before whom they all bow, and there's one God to whom they will be subject. Here's a hint, it, it's not us. They'll get the best of us. But they're no match for the Lord of heaven and earth. We can try to be nice, and we can try to be good people all that we want. But when the forces of spiritual darkness and wickedness make an attack, no amount of being a good person, no amount of being nice, is ever going to be able to crush Satan, is it? No. That's the work for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it must be on Him that we rely He's the only one who can do it. And Jesus speaks of this in the Gospel today, doesn't he? Jesus talks about this. He talks about this when he says, When a strong man, armed, keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted, and divideth his spoils. I think that particular passage creates a little bit of confusion for folks sometimes. But Jesus is talking about himself here. The strong man is Satan. Okay? The strong man is Satan, who held the world in subjection until the coming of the one who was stronger. Jesus Christ. And Satan was no match for Jesus. He couldn't stand up to the the Lord of heaven and earth the God of the universe, is no match for him. For as we finally see at Easter, it was in the Paschal victory that Jesus trampled down death, trampled down Satan, trampled down sin and death, and won victory for God's people, for all those who are in Christ. I mean, it it was shaping up to be quite the battle. But in the end, uh, Satan brought a knife to a gunfight. He was strong. Still is, in a sense. Very strong, it appeared. But not strong enough to stand up to the Lord of the universe. He struck out with his knife. Struck out with his sword, as it were. In fact, he still does. He, he, he pokes that barb at believers, even today, poking them, prodding them, stabbing at them. 
trying to push them into all different sorts of directions he'd love for them to go because he knows it's going to be their ruin it's going to be their downfall he pokes at them he prods at us but the armor of Jesus Christ is stronger than any of Satan's darts any of his arrows or blades it's his armor that we are to take on it was the armor of Christ that was urged upon the catechumens who first heard these sets of lessons back in the 5th century and it's still urged upon us today it is this victory in battle uh, that that we seek that we, we hope to live into and be beneficiaries of and it's this victory in battle that St. Cyril of Alexandria wrote about in the early part of that same 5th century Holy Father Cyril of Alexandria wrote this is a parable based on what happens among men but the same has befallen the devil the hater of good who before the coming of the Savior did indeed enjoy great power seizing on the flocks that were manifestly not his but belonged to the God of all things shutting them in and as it were keeping them in his own fold but then later the word of God the giver of all strength, the Lord of hosts, being made man, assaulted him, assaulted Satan, and deprived him of his armor and gave to others all that he had possessed. For those he had held fast in atheism and error are now, through the holy apostles, called to the knowledge of truth. And because of their belief in his Son, they have been restored once more to the Father. Well, on this third Sunday in Lent, on this third Sunday of Lent, I offer this to us, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'd offer this to us, that we still face trials and challenges and assaults of the devil. If we think we don't, we're really very dangerously fooling ourselves. If we think that Satan doesn't, you know, doesn't attack us, we're fooling ourselves. He does. And if we think that we're strong enough on our own to resist them once again we are very dangerously fooling ourselves but you see we have the champion we have the the, I mean really the true master swordsman we have the champion as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ seeing us through temptations of this Lenten season which is a, a microcosm of the Christian life that's what Lent is it's a microcosm of the Christian life and it's a metaphor for the entire Christian pilgrimage of faith this holy season of Lent don't, don't make the mistake that so many people do and just see it as a, a single season out of the year it's a metaphor that's there to teach us so many powerful truths about our life in Christ and we make this walk through Lent as I said with him as our guide, as our champion, and as our defender. So learn to call upon Him as your defender and as your Savior in this season of Lent, and it just might teach us to do so throughout the whole of our lives. For every new day, we are to call upon Him as Savior, call upon Him as Lord, and each day we are called to put our trust in Him as victor, as victor in the struggle against sin and against darkness, the struggle against death. Indeed, as our epistle from St. Paul to the Ephesians closed today, in the words of what were once originally an ancient baptismal hymn, Therefore it is said, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, 
in Christ shall give thee light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.